was a long weekend. And like many of you were probably glued to your TV, it was September 2005. It was the weekend that Hurricane Katrina lashed the Gulf Coast. And I remember, like many of you probably, watching CNN and seeing and, and looking at those pictures of this devastation something that we couldn't even imagine. It looked like a third world country. And it didn't seem like anyone was doing anything about it. And as I sat and watched Anderson Cooper interview Harry Connick Jr., I said, man, I, I, I wish I could do something. He's so lucky because he gets to go and do something. Because he, he said, I'm going down. It's my hometown. I'm going down. Uh, tomorrow morning, and I'm going to go and hand stuff out and, and help people. <coughs> Man, I, oh, I would love to do that. Three in the morning, I wake up, and my heart is just absolutely beating almost out of my chest. I wake up, and, and when I wake up in the middle of the night, I usually it's, it, I believe it's God waking me up to pray. And it was basically, I want you to go do something about this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not Harry Connick Jr. I, I can't afford to do this. And, and I sat in my bed and, and kind of wrestled with God for a few moments. And I said, okay, God, if, if I can get it through the border uh, and if I can get a truck, then I will do what I can to take some stuff, supplies down to Hurricane Katrina. So I got in my car at three in the morning and went, drove to the border. I, I lived in... In, uh, in BC, so it was close to the border. I said, you know, I, I've got this thing. I, I want to help people in down in New Orleans. And they, and they said, well, I if you want, um, when there's a uh, catastrophe, there's a special law that's enacted that allows you to take things across the border. All you need to do is document what you're bringing across. I said, okay, that's, that's step one. Well, the next step was to get a truck. So obviously nothing's open at four in the morning to see if I can rent a truck. And the idea was, was that I was going to get this truck for free. I was not going to pay for it. So I called the person that I knew that, that was a believer, uh, knew Jesus, and, and they owned this rental company. He says, for sure, they will say, yeah, we can, we'll rent you a truck or give you a truck. Well, I spoke to them, and they said, well, the manager's not in or the owner's not in, but he'll get back to you. So they got back to me that afternoon and said, we'll give you 20% off. And it was a five-ton truck. And I said, okay, well, thank you very much. So I, I grabbed a bunch of people together on that Sunday, and I began to pray what God would do. And, and so he's answered the one prayer. We can, we can get it across. And not a miracle yet, but it seemed pretty, pretty good. And so I woke up Tuesday morning and began to search our town to, to go to anybody that had a truck and said, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you into helping? And I went to Hertz, and I went to another place, and another place, and, and everyone said, well, no, we're, we're, our head office is doing it, we're not really doing anything, and, and I, was, I was getting a little discouraged, you know, I'm going to try one more place. So I went to this place, and I, and I walked in, and I told them what I wanted to do, and this time I'm kind of feeling like a little, cr little dumb, like, who are you? Like, you're just some pastor, like, and you want to do this? And, and um, they said to me, well, we don't do that, because we just deliver milk, but our our affiliate next door may want to help you. So I walk into there and I talk to the, ask if I can talk to the president. 
go into his office and he says, I tell him what I want to do. He says, oh, what a coincidence. I said, coincidence, because I don't believe in coincidences. He says, we were just in a board meeting this morning and we said, we have to do something for Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, he says, okay, you've got a 53-foot semi. You've got a driver. We're paying for all the gas and, and everything. Just tell me where you want it, when you want it, and it's yours. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, that is, that is crazy. That, that is crazy. So I, I, I walk out, and I'm just kind of like, really, God, you're, you're doing this. And then like, I have no idea where we're going, what we're doing, nothing. So I phone my wife, and I'm in tears. I go, honey, you would never believe what just happened. I just got a 53-foot semi, not a five-ton truck, 53 feet, and it's all free like we asked. I said, we got to fill this thing. I said, would you phone the radio stations? Would you phone the TV stations and tell them what we're doing? So I, I go over to, to Walmart, and they said, well, no, we, we can't help you right now because we, we're using the Red Cross. We, don't, we don't, can't get involved. And walk over to Home Depot, and Home Depot says, yeah, if you want to set up a semi in our parking lot, go ahead. We'd love to have you. So we set up a semi in the, in the parking lot. Uh, still didn't know where we're going, so I did like any smart missionary would do. I, I got online and I went on the yellow pages and started looking for churches on the Gulf Coast and phoning them and asked if they need anything. And I found a church and said, yeah, we need this. And they gave me a list of stuff. And I said, okay, great. I'll fill up the stuff and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll see you in a week or so. So Thursday night shows up. The truck comes in, and I now have TV stations fighting, literally. And this is, I'm not making this up. They were actually fighting over who was going to get exclusive rights over covering our story. So we had three or four different um, TV stations, radio stations, all coming, helping, doing live interviews, interviews over the phone. And it just started to really, really take off. Um, so the, the, Friday, the Thursday night when we were starting this, um, we kind of did this photo op for the TV and basically had a cartload of groceries in this 53-foot semi. And, and it was like a, a little discouraging. The Friday morning when we were going to start this all, I walked back to Walmart and said, you know, could we set up outside or something? And they said, oh, what a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. They said, we just got off the phone with head office, and they say, we need to pull out all the stops to do whatever we can locally to help the victims of Hurricane Katrina. So you can set up inside our store. So they gave us the front of the store, not outside where the girl, you know, those girl guys that they, they and the hockey people that almost hit you when you go in to buy something. We were inside the store. And the reality is the name that I was given to, to call this in my sleep or when I woke up was Operation In Jesus Name. So I'm in Walmart, the largest retailer in the world, set up In Jesus Name. Our shirts, our signs, everything. And they went around the store and they put things that, they needed, that we needed that were needed for Hurricane Katrina all through the store. It was amazing of how that happened. But Friday morning, I opened up the back of the truck to start the day. And this is a 53-foot semi. I don't know how tall they are, 10 feet high. And I've got a little bit of groceries in there. And I had never been so overwhelmed with the task that God had asked me to do. And in desperation, I, I cried out to God and said, God, I can't do this. 
And I felt a little bit like Joshua. I began to circle uh, the Home Depot parking lot, began to pray, and God, would you, would you fill this? Because I can't do it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but would you do it? Um, so we worked all weekend long, and it, was, it just grabbed momentum, and you know, there was stuff coming, and people were coming, and just like tears, and they were buying diapers, and they were writing with Sharpies on the, on the diapers to say to Katrina from Canada with love. And people were just giving money, and, and the, these were, were not church people, but they were people just in tears. We, we have to do something. And that went on all weekend long. The semi was, was supposed to head out on Wednesday morning. So Tuesday night was our deadline. And by the time we finished Tuesday night, they took the truck to the scales and we were 1,000 pounds overweight. Just jam-packed with stuff. It was unbelievable how the God answered prayer. But and yet there's times in my life that, that I've said that. The prayer, it, it doesn't work. Tried. It doesn't work. You give up. And I don't know if, if you're like me, but, but maybe it's, it's like that. Maybe your idea of, of prayer is kind of like um, when you take your, your debit card and you try and tap it. And it works maybe sometimes at Tim Hortons. It never works at Canadian Tire. Or maybe even, even worse yet is, is when it's spooling and it says waiting for approval and it comes back declined. Maybe that's how you see your prayer life. Or when you ask for prayers, it's like I'm waiting for approval and I'm not getting approval from God, so declined. And if, if you don't have any money, that's what happens when you don't have any money in the bank. Maybe you have lots of money, but there's been many times where it comes back declined after waiting for approval. But too often, maybe we think that way with God. And, and maybe you're not even a believer. You don't even know if God exists. And you're just maybe checking God out. And you would actually hope that there was a being there. Even if you say you're an atheist or agnostic, maybe you, you would actually would think, would hope that there was a being out there that loves you, that cares for you, that listens to you and answers prayer. That would be really, really cool. What is prayer? I don't know where I got this, who, who wrote this quote, but it says, prayer is a practice of the presence of God. It is a place where pride is abandoned, hope is lifted, and supplication is made. Prayer is a place of admitting our need, of adopting humility and claiming dependence upon God. Prayer is the needful practice of a Christian. Prayer is the exercise of faith and hope. Prayer is a privilege of touching the heart of the Father through the Son of God, Jesus our Lord. But we have many excuses of prayer. I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. Why? Well, I try praying, I, I lose focus, I fall asleep. Maybe this is you. God is mad at me. He answers other prayers, but but doesn't answer mine. I, I hear those great stories. And just so you know, is when you when you read the Bible and you see these great stories, the Bible is like a highlight reel. It's like it's like the top 10 at Sports Center. It's like the best of the best. But that's not the way life really is. Tonight you'll hear some of my stories. They're my highlight reels of how Jesus has answered prayer. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Prayer is simply just talking to God, but maybe I don't, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the right words to say. I'm not good at praying. Maybe you've said that before. Or maybe you're one that says, you know, I want to see God answer prayers like the stories I've heard. How can that happen? 
Well, we want we want to look at those tonight. And and as we're in this household series, we we believe that it's foundational for us as a church to be able to pray, to learn what it means to pray to, if we want to see God do things. Um, our slogan of our church is bringing grace to the city. We're only going to bring grace to the city and be able to make an impact in the city is if we pray and if God goes before us and does it. But I want to ask you the question is, do I have to pray? Maybe you're asking that question. Do, do I have to pray? So many times, uh, maybe as, as a, if you're a believer in Jesus, that you feel guilty that you don't pray enough. You hear stories of Martin Luther who prayed for hours and hours. And you hear other stories. You go, man, I, I, I'm, not really, I'm not really that good at praying. But tonight I hope to encourage you, maybe even to ask a different question is, do I have to pray? A question that I don't have up there that I want to ask you, but are you desperate? Are you desperate for help in your life? Are you so desperate that you need to cry out to somebody or something? And that's a little bit of what prayer is, of understanding that we need help. It's a sense of humility that I can't do it by myself. Martin Luther said this, what is prayer? Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Maybe you're here tonight and you believe that, that God is, is kind of a tyrant, that he's one that, that is angry and th- that one that doesn't want to give prayer, doesn't want to answer our prayers, but I would ask you to, to look at the idea or think of the idea that it's not about God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of his willingness. God wants to answer our prayers. How important is prayer? Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said this. He said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And he was probably one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived. He believed it was important. So tonight I want to look at three aspects of prayer. And I hope as we talk about these and look at these, that they will help you in your prayer life. And maybe if you're discouraged, they they will help you be encouraged to continue to pray. Maybe there's a prayer that you've you've been praying for years and it's not answered, you want to give up. I hope that maybe tonight that you'll say, hey, you know, I, want, I have resolve because I want to continue to pray because I believe that prayer works. And we also want to look at the position of prayer, the position of answered prayer. How do, we, how do we align ourselves so we can see answered prayer? And so we're going to look at those three aspects quickly tonight. Um, and we're going to go wh- where Jesus went and how he, when his disciples, you know, he says, teach us to pray. And this is what Jesus said to him. And, and if you're a new or, or coming back to God, uh, you, may have, uh, you may be familiar with this. It's called the Lord's Prayer. I remember I went to public school, and we actually recited this every morning in public school. Um, but it's this. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's God's word. So the posture of prayer the posture of prayer is, is we need to understand who we are and who God is. God is our Father. Our Father. Jesus doesn't say, my Father. He says, our Father. Because as we understand Scripture, is that when we become Christ followers, we are adopted into God's family. The idea that the Bible teaches that we are enemies of God, that once we were enemies of God because we have sinned we've committed holy treason against the most holy god and so therefore we are enemies because we're against him but and yet jesus says pray to our father 
And, I, and I'm not sure how many of you have a, grew up with a good father. I had a great father. Some I've talked to many people, they haven't had a good father experience. So this, this metaphor, this word picture of father doesn't work well. But even if you have had a bad experience of father, the bad experience tells you what a good father is. We all know innately what you want a father to be. Maybe if you had a bad father, you said, you know, I'm going to be this type of father. Or maybe you, you didn't have a good father and you got married and you know what kind of father you want your husband to be. Innately, we know what a good father is. A father provides, protects, gives the best to his children. And so it's important to understand when we're looking at prayer is to understand that God is first and foremost our father. That we are first and foremost loved deeply by our father. And how, are we, how do we call God father? It's because of Jesus. That God went to any length possible to bring you into a relationship with himself. He did not spare anything to bring you back. He sacrificed his only son in order to bring you and I into relationship with him. You know, that is, that is amazing. That he is our father. It's a love relationship. It says this in Matthew 7, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, that would be me as a sinful father, know how to give good gifts to your children, and I try to give good gifts to my children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So the first idea that we have to understand is the posture of prayer is that we're praying to a Father in heaven who loves us, who's gone to every length to bring you back to, into a relationship with himself. And he's good, the Bible says, and he wants to give us good things. But like any good father, he knows what's good and what's best for us. The second thing was we pray to a Father who is in heaven. The universe is 14 billion light years across, consists of 100 billion galaxies with over 100 billion stars. Yet he invites us to talk to him. Now is, doesn't, that, isn't that crazy? That he invites us to talk to him. He invites us to, to be in relationship with him. And yet he created this entire galaxy and stars. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing. That God is other. He's not like us. He, he's other. He's not... Um, limited to time and space. Hallowed be your name. Theologian J.I. Packer says, what does hallowed mean? Hallowed be thy name, ask for. God's name in the Bible regularly means the person who has revealed himself to be. Hallowed means known, acknowledged and honored as holy. Holy is the Bible word for all that makes God different from us. In particular, his awesome power and purity. This petition then asks that the praise and honor of the God of the Bible and of him only should be the issue of everything. So what is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer, as Jesus told his disciples, is your will be done. Your will. We, we want to hallow God's name, that his perfection, his holiness. We want to make his name great in this world because he's the only thing worth worshiping. He is perfect and he is almost, uh, he was completely other. But it's your will be done. Too often, I don't know about you, but I want my will to be done. I want what's best for me, what's, what's going to make me look good, what's going to make me feel good. And I know a lot of my prayers have not been answered because it's about my will, not about God's will. And so understanding prayer and the posture of prayer is understanding that it's not about us. It's about God. 
not about you. If you can understand that, you're going to save yourself years and years of, of life's hardships of understanding this. Life's not about you. It's about, if you know Jesus, it's about hallowing His name. It's about glorifying Him. It's not about you. He goes on. Give us this day our daily bread. We're invited to ask the Father to provide for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't ask, need to ask for food this morning. It's been provided. But what I do at each meal is I pray and thank the Lord that He's given me food. We have an abundance in Canada. But every time that we stop and we pray and we said, Lord, thank you for this food that you provided, we're realizing that, that it's not about us. We're realizing that this is a gift, that we are loved children. And as we do that, it, it allows our relationship and understanding that God is, He does answer prayer. He does care for us. He does love us. And it just gets us off ourselves and say, it's about God and He always provides. He goes on and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. When we understand that we have a relationship with God, that we're adopted sons, how do we become adopted sons? We become adopted sons because we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven because of Jesus. I have sinned against a holy God, and that deserves infinite punishment. And yet Jesus came and lived a perfect, righteous life that I couldn't live. And he's forgiven me. So how can I not forgive others? And so when I pray this prayer, I'm saying, God, thank you for the forgiveness you've given me. I want to forgive others. Don't we all want to be forgiving people? There's people that have hurt us, and we just we hold on, and we think that they don't deserve forgiveness. You're right. Neither do you. Neither do I. But when we extend forgiveness to the other person, it's a gift mostly to ourselves, but that we have the power to do it because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a prayer. Say, Lord, we, we want deli- to help deliver us from the evil things that we are inclined to do. Many of you have had people praying for you. You have no idea. And you've been spared from, I believe, lots of evil that, your, that maybe parents or grandparents or, or friends have prayed over you. They've prayed this prayer that delivered you from evil. And the third thing we, I want to look at is the position of answered prayer. The position of answered prayer. How do we position ourselves for God to work through us? How do we position ourselves to have God work through us? And it goes back to the story that I first shared. Is that utter desperation, there's no way that I can do this myself. And I admit too often I go through life we go through life in this North American affluence that we really don't need God. We get through. We go, hey man, I, prayed, I didn't pray all week and I'm pretty good, I'm, I'm okay this week. But how do we position ourselves? How do we position ourselves to see God do great things? Because I don't know about you, but, but I, I'm hearing lots of people saying, I want more God. I, I want to I see God work. I, I want to be involved in greater things. And if that's you, Listen to what we're going to talk about next. How do we position ourselves to God to work through us? 
Tim Keller quotes G.I. Packer says, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. James 4.3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. If you're saying, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Maybe it's, it's this right here. You, you're asking for the wrong things. You're asking just to spend on your own things. And God, like a good father, doesn't give you things that are going to feed your idol. See, idols are things that we replace God with, that we give reverence, that we give money to and time to, that we think is going to give us fulfillment and joy, but, it, but it, in, the, in the end it doesn't. And so God's not going to give us something that is going to hurt us. I've got three boys, and as, when they were younger, um, they would like to eat not healthy food all the time. I've got one son who would eat cereal every meal. Captain Crunch, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you name it, Frosted Flakes, that's all he would eat. He wouldn't eat any meat. He wouldn't eat any vegetables. It would just be sugar cereal. But we give it to him for, you know, sometimes when, you know, when we go on holidays and stuff, and, and maybe sometimes a little more. But the reality is he knows that it's not good for him, but he loves it so much. But it's kind of like that with God. He doesn't give us things that are going to harm us because he loves us. Remember that? We're praying to our Father who went at great lengths and did everything to bring you back to himself. Traffic light. Grade three Sunday school, best illustration I've ever heard about answered prayer. <clears throat> you see, sometimes there's a red light. Stop. No. Stuff that's not good for us. Stuff that's going to bring you not joy. God says, no, I'm not going to give that to you. You know, if, if someone says to you, no, did he answer? Yeah, you're answered. Just the answer was not what you wanted to hear. There's the yellow light. Yeah, not now. You've got to wait. And maybe some of you have been praying a prayer for years, and you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up because God's not answering my prayer. This morning, someone came up to me after the, the first service and said, <coughs> my mom and my, her group prayed for me every Wednesday for years that I would come back to Jesus. And I came back. So don't stop. Don't stop praying. I'll tell you a, an intimate story. Um, years ago, we moved up north. And it, we moved up north. It was, it was a hard move for my family, for my boys, and my oldest boy especially. And my oldest boy um, uh, got into a party scene. I, was, I thought he, was, he met some kids from church, and I thought that was great. They introduced him to all the party kids in town. And my son began to party. And I knew he wasn't walking with Jesus. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. <coughs> I had the privilege of baptizing him a few years before that. And he was simply walking away. Alcohol had become his God. And I was so worried for him. So broken. If you have children... You know what I'm talking about. I was so broken for my son. And, and one day, God gave me a prayer to pray and it scared the daylights out of me. I began to pray, God, would you bring my son back to yourself? A 
spare his life. What a crazy prayer to pray. What am I praying this for? This is, and, I didn't tell, and I didn't tell my wife for sure. And I began to pray this every day. Several times a day I would pray, pray this. But three weeks later, in the middle of the night, it's a knock on my door. I get up. It's two in the morning. It's my son's friends at the door. They said we were at a party. Dylan left and said he doesn't want to live anymore. We can't find him. Just about the worst thing you could ever do to a person. For the next moments, it was just it was crazy of trying to understand what's what's going on. They'd finally woke. He, they'd finally got a hold of him. He was back at the party. So I jumped in my truck and I drove over there as quick as I could. And I got into the truck and started just debriefing with my son. And he told me the deep trap of what alcohol had done to him. It brought him to a place where he didn't want to live anymore. And where we lived, there was these big sawdust trucks that would go every 10 minutes down the highway. Um, double trailers. Truck's not going to stop. He said that I left that party to throw myself in front of a Lomac truck. And I passed out in the ditch before I got to the highway. And you tell me that God doesn't answer prayer? As we debriefed it, he said, Dad, that's the only time that I've ever passed out from alcohol. The only time I've ever passed out from alcohol. I tell you that story because I believe that God is sovereign. And I believe that God gave me prayer, that prayer. And I believe he gives us the prayers to pray to allow us to understand that it's not about us. For us to know that we have a Father in Heaven that loves us, that cares for us, that wants to answer prayer. My son is, is back in love with Jesus and following Him and serving Him and he's just uh, an answer to prayer. But that prayer was prayed out of complete desperation that I had nothing left. I could not do anything and realizing and understanding that God loved my child more than I did. That was absolutely huge. But in yet also understanding that God loved me. God loves you. It happened right away. Three weeks. Some of you are maybe praying for something that you just praying and praying and praying. You want to give up. I encourage you, if, if it's not selfish, if it's not, if it's about God's will, don't stop. Don't stop praying. Continue to pray. Continue to, to ask God, because what it does when we're asking God, it's to say, saying, hey, we can't do it on ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We need you. I've had other times we were still in that same town, and, and I felt a stirring 
in my heart that something was changing and there was a, a new wind blowing that we were called to something new. And I go, I said to my wife, I said, honey, something's happening in my heart. I believe God's doing something. And she goes, yeah, me too, exactly. So Monday we pray. So like, whatever God, whatever you have for us, we, we're going to follow you. The next day, um, my now current boss asked me, hey, I believe that you're being called to Alberta. Would you come to Alberta and head up church planning for the Peterson Network? I was like, oh, wow, that was quick. I wasn't expecting it that fast. But it happens that way. There's red light, no. There's yellow light, yeah, just caution, slow down. It's going to happen and then there's green light. It happens right away. So wherever you're at, know that God does answer prayer. And if he's not answering your prayer, maybe it's a selfish prayer. Maybe he's not answering it the way you want it to be because he loves you, because he's your father. Often we say, you know, we, we're, you know, unless God shows up, we're going to be, we're going to be dead. I don't, I don't like that saying because it, it assumes that God isn't omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere. God is present. The question is whether or not we're going to stand down. Are we going to stand down and say, God, you take control. Um, I'm desperate for you. I want you to lead my life. If you're not seeing answered prayer, then either we are missing what God is doing or we're doing it all in our own strength. If you're here and you're, you're a Christ follower and you want to see things happen that don't make sense, that you want to tell stories, then you have to put yourself in a place where you can't do it yourself. Where unless there's a miracle that happens, that it's not going to work. And when we do things like that, the only person that gets the glory is God. His name is hallowed. His name is made much of because he answered it. And if you want to want something that's going to affect your faith, that's going to boost your faith and say, I believe in God, it's those answered prayers. You see, those answered prayers for me don't happen like that all the time, those great, big, crazy prayers. Those are my highlight reels. There's days where you, you, you go through day and you pray for little things, but the more you pray, you, the more I see God moving all around me. But I know that he answers prayer, and I pray and continue to pray. I want to pray more, and I realize that when I'm not praying, it's because I'm depending on my, upon myself. I ask you the question is, do I need to pray? I hope I can change your idea that, that no, we get to pray. We have the opportunity, and we're invited to pray to God the Father. Father who loves us, and as I said before, went to every length to bring you back to himself. Maybe the question is, how can I do anything if I don't pray? Because Jesus said in John 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. So if you're a Christ follower, I, I would encourage you to say, how much are you doing everything in your life in your own strength? What are you being called to that you cannot do on your own? Is there something that you are being called to that says, I, forget it, I can't do that. I can't do it. Good, you need, you need to pray. You need to ask God to help you and he gets the glory. I want to leave us with this. What would it look like if we all committed to the one thing this week that we cannot do by ourselves? What would it look like if we would take that challenge and say, I'm going to do something this week that not, not crazy and you know we're going to sell everything and, and move to India. 
God tells you to do that, do it. But, but some of the smaller things. I can't do it. Well, no, I've got to rely on God. I would encourage you to rely on God the Father. How about for your lifetime? Maybe you feel like you're called to something, but, no, I can't do it. It's not me. Begin to pray. I couldn't fill that semi. I couldn't draw my son back to myself. Only God could do that. So I'm going to ask the band to come up. And I just want to ask you, are you desperate for God? Does God desperately wants to answer your prayers, wants to be in relationship with you? And if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, what would it be like if there was a Heavenly Father that wanted to answer your prayers, that wanted to forgive you, wanted to have a relationship with you, wanted to answer your prayers? Think about that. Wouldn't that be awesome? We have a communion table here. If, if you're from a different um, denomination, uh, this may be called the, the sacrament or the Eucharist. An ordinance, we call it the, the, the Lord's table, the, the family meal. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you believe that, that you have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and that you've asked Jesus as the only perfect one to take away your sins and, and you said, I want to live for Jesus, then, then I would call you to come and, and take part of this family meal with us. But if you're, if you're not, if you're still checking God out, don't feel at all any pressure. You're not going to be judged if you don't come and take this meal. But sometimes we come and take the meal and it's really solemn and somber. But I believe this is an act of worship. Jesus said the night that he was betrayed that, that every time we do this, we do this in remembrance of him, of what he's done for us. And, and this meal is nothing magical about it. It's grape juice and wine and bread. And the bread symbol signifies Jesus' body, which was broken for us. The blood symbolizes the, or the wine and juice symbolize the blood that was spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. And because of that, we are no longer enemies of God the Father. We are his children, adopted because of Jesus. And so we come understanding that we are adopted by God the Father and that we can partake of this meal and say, thank you, that you can leave this week and whatever you're struggling with, you know that there's a God in heaven, a Father that loves you, loves me, that put this whole thing together and he loves you. If you don't feel loved tonight, please hear me. That God did not spare anything to bring you back to himself. He sent his only son, Jesus, and put the wrath that I deserved and you deserved upon his only son. But the beauty of that is that Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive and risen. And one day he's going to come back and we are going to live with him. New heaven or new earth, it's going to be awesome. Let me pray and then we'll come and take part of the family meal. Father God, we just thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you love us despite what we've done. And Jesus, we thank you that you came and you lived this perfect life that none of us could live. And you died in our place. So now when you, God the Father, see us, you see the righteousness of Jesus. And that is just scandalous. I can't even imagine that. But that's what your word says. And, and so we're going to come and take this meal as a thanksgiving to you in remembrance of what you have done, Jesus, the, the cost that you paid. And I pray that as, as we uh, take the bread and the, and the cup, that we too would want to be sacrifices in this earth, 
to know that this life is not about us, but it's about giving glory and honor and hallowing your name, God, because you are the only thing worthy, the only being worthy to be praised, worthy to be glorified. So we thank you for this meal. We thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are empowering us as believers to live and empowering us to be able to pray to the Father. We thank you for these things. In your name, Jesus. Amen.